On November 2nd, 2016, Sherry Papini mysteriously disappeared while out jogging in Redding, California. Her husband was able to track her phone's location to be within a mile of their home, but only found her phone and earbuds there with no other signs of Sherry whatsoever. Her disappearance sparked a major rescue effort all over California. But when she suddenly reappeared a few weeks later, it generated more questions than answers. Was Sherry Papini truly abducted or was this some sort of elaborate ruse? I mean, if well, now it, we kind of know. Spoiler we, alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. I feel like also to her because I'm assuming she did not expect uh, this twist of, a, of fate happening. Yeah, but it's so funny because by twist of fate, we just mean like an investigation, oh. <laughs> like very routine. <laughs> the investigation that was following up to her kidnapping that she, yes. Like that she pretty much allegedly orchestrated herself. I mean, Ooh. I feel like we did cover this episode a while back, but I don't know. It's I feel like it's worth covering it all again just because I forgot. I feel like oh, it was yeah, so exactly. long ago. And I feel it's good just because in case, because I feel a lot of people might not have known about the case when it first happened, but now these whole new questioning and investigation and court hearing and everything is really bringing it to the top and center of everyone. So just we're giving you a little background and going to get into why it is like trending so much today. Yes. So just some quick background on Sherry Papini and her disappearance. She was, I think still is, but who knows for long, for how much longer. (laughs) But she was married to a man by the name of Keith. She has two kids and she was described as super mom. Um, Keith wasn't her first husband, though. She was married previously in 2007 um, to a guy named David. They met working on a youth to youth project. Um, she says they parted amicably and remained friends until she started dating Keith. Here's what's interesting, too. In this affidavit that recently surfaced, they found out that she, in fact, had a third husband. He was um, in the army, and they basically got married so that she could use his health insurance for, like, egg donation or something. But that wasn't really public knowledge before. That is, yeah, because this is a 76-page affidavit, so everything yeah. is public now. I probably read half of it, honestly. I, I got yeah, the a- I got the juice of of the of what they found, and then I was like, "All right, cool. I'm I'm good on this. Maybe I'll read it later for like my nighttime reading." <laughs> but it's definitely interesting. But so Sherry disappeared November second, twenty sixteen, while jogging in Redding, California. This took place around two in the afternoon, and her husband immediately knew something was wrong when she failed to pick the kids up from daycare. So initially, police kind of dragged their feet. The California Department of Justice listed it as a voluntary missing adult rather than like a missing person's case um, before later changing it. Keith started a GoFundMe to help with the search, which raised about $49,000. There was also a $50,000 reward. um, At one point, an anonymous donor who was kind of a friend of the couple offered a six-figure reward in a reverse ransom. I mean... I don't really know what the utility of that term is, but it's money that hadn't been requested by the kidnapper. So like a reward. I was going to say, I feel like that is just kind of plain and simple a reward money. But yeah, for facts like we give you the money if you give her back. I don't know. That's like that's like me paying for coffee as a reverse ransom. I'm like, here, take here, take my four dollars. Right? Or like, yeah, it's also seven dollars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Seven dollars. Yeah. Um. So the the detectives on the case kind of went ballistic when they heard about this um, and they thought it would encourage scammers to come out of the woodwork. 
And well, <laughs> I mean, hey, the, the, the real scammer was the person who disappeared allegedly, all along. Allegedly. Yeah. As with like typical missing white woman syndrome, I feel there was a, a huge search. Federal, state, local authorities made international news like the whole nine. You you know how it goes. Um, and initially, there wasn't much to go off. Police found an iPhone, earbuds, and strands of hair along a jogging path. But like, again, Sherry was really nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. And apparently the song playing on loop was their wedding song, Keith and Sherry's song, uh, Everything by Michael Buble. So just adding that extra information there. And I, if you forgot that song, it's now stuck in your head probably because when I was reading this, it was oh also my God, stuck in right? my head. So there we go. But so there was a thing. It called, costed, or caused international fanfare everywhere. And it was like she kind of, I think it was like about on Halloween, but she returned on Thanksgiving morning, 22 days later, sort of just like out of, Nowhere. She kind of just, her return was a reappearance, rather. So a motorist spotted her around 4.30 a.m., frantically waving on the side of the road in Yolo County, California, which is about 150 miles away from her home. She was bound at the waist by a chain that was attached to her left wrist with a zip tie. And there was also uh, clamps around her ankles. Uh, the Sarasota County Sheriff's Office called them pain compliance restraints. So she was, when she was discovered, she was, she looked like she was just kind of thrown, but was still in like her kidnapping shackles and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, at 4.30 Ugh. in the morning. Yeah. She was emaciated and weighed 87 pounds. Uh, and I know, I'm pretty sure on the missing persons, her flyer, she weighed at, they had her weight as like around 107. So that's like about like 20 pounds lighter in two like, weeks. How do you lose that much weight in that short amount of time? I know when Ted Bundy was on the run for like, what, a week or something? He apparently lost like 20 pounds. But I'm like, how is this possible? I mean, Keith said that she was covered in bruises because of alleged repeat beatings. And the bridge of her nose was broken and her hair was chopped off. So all of this sounds very, like, very, very intense, torturistic captivity. Uh, she also had a branded uh, mark on her right shoulder. Uh, the investigators could not make out what it said because of obscure letters and poor quality, which we will all get into later. Oh, yeah. So here is what Sherry, when she appeared, uh, says happened. She claimed that she was abducted at gunpoint by two Hispanic women, she emphasized, who spoke Spanish most of the time. They were driving a dark-colored SUV, and she says that they beat her and held her captive in a basement before dumping her on the side of the road. I also remember her saying that they only spoke Spanish and blasted music, but also said like they would yeah. sell her to but the also cops if she if made she a talked. noise. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They and said they were going to sell her to a police officer. She also said they were blasting music, but also they would like come to her immediately if she made any noise, which is like, how would they hear it? So yeah, a lot of, but also, and also, yes. So her description of these two women, uh, one woman had long curly hair, thin eyebrows and pierced ears. The other was older with straight black hair and gray eyebrows. Their composite sketches, I feel like went, are like went pretty uh, viral with a lot of people looking for them. And the police released these sketches for a $10,000 reward to no avail. But even back when she disappeared, there was some sketchiness surrounding her account of events. So, for one, Sherry was found bound and restrained on the side of the road around 4.30 a.m. However, 
a video, like CCTV footage, showed her just minutes before she was found. They sh- it showed her unshackled and running for safety. So it's like, hmm. how, how, how does that happen? And yeah, how, how do you randomly get shackled? Yeah. After after running free when you're not no cap no no people capturing you or anywhere. Exactly. And she claims she fought with one of the women and cut her foot, but when she went to the hospital, there was no cut found. And she also claimed that one of the suspects wore large hoop earrings, which to me is like, why would you do that if you're kidnapping someone? That seems like a very obvious hazard. Yeah, I think they would highly advise you not to do that at Claire's. Like after you I get your piercing, so. uh, yeah, they're like, exactly. Yeah, if you're gonna kidnap, get some studs, baby. Get I was gonna studs. say I wasn't even allowed to wear studs in like my high school volleyball games. I mean, Ooh. I don't think that this woman would wear large hoop earrings if she's you know abducting somebody. To but, risk it all. Yeah. But criminals are have been dumb in the past, I suppose. But <laughs> that's like that's true. That's true. But here's what's even more sketchy is that Sherry had several run-ins with the law. Kind of all related to, like, dishonesty. Yes. There was a time in 2003 when her mother said Sherry was hurting herself, but trying to blame her mother for it. In 2000, oh. Sherry's sister, Sheila, alleged that she may have kicked in her back door, but was unsure because nothing was missing. Okay. And then later that day, Sherry's dad alleged she vandalized his home in California. She went after every single family member. <laughs> right. Not and a, then... Yeah. Back to 2003, October 3rd, her dad alleged that there was an authorized withdrawal made from his bank account, and he thought Sherry did it, but the money was later returned. Mm-hmm. An anonymous source told Heavy a while back that Sherry's extended family claimed that she staged her own abduction in 2006. And so back to 2016 with the sketchiness, um, Sherry was found with both male and female de- DNA on her, which was weird because she said it was only two women who kidnapped her. So male DNA was taken from her clothing. Female DNA was taken from her body. Male DNA didn't match her husband's, and all the DNA was entered into CODIS. No initial matches, but eventually they did find a match. We'll get into that. Mm-hmm. And also, just I think the there's some overall weirdness of like two female abductors, this branding... Um, you know, these alleged abductors taking pains to obscure their identities, but then suddenly letting Sherry go for no reason. Like, it's all very uncommon. It's not necessarily impossible, but it's de- it was definitely a weird, weird uh, combination. Because I feel the, the, the there's no pure motive from that claim, because it's not like they were trying to get anything or do anything besides just hold this woman captive allegedly right. for two months. And then, yeah. Not even three weeks. Three weeks. Oh, truly. Yeah, like there was no ransom, there was nothing. Um, and even the lead investigator said in 2016 that he didn't think that Sherry had been abducted. Mm-mm-mm. And that lead investigator thoughts brings us six years in the future, well, 2020 to now in the future about what is going on now because I feel. I, Sarah, we texted each other like right last week. We're like, okay, well, scrap everything. We have to talk about this because absolutely it is going. I mean, all I feel the way like in. at the time, I definitely, I remember I didn't, and I'm not just saying this to like say that I was right, but I remember like her account of the abductors yes. being Hispanic women felt very sketchy to me because 2016, Trump was running mm-hmm. for like office, and I just feel like there was so much 
like of that type of racism in the media and it seemed like an easy scapegoat sort of almost like a boogeyman to blame like two fictional latino women because yeah because then they could she could just go in and just no one would question her they just be like oh we're fueled by this it's just what's happening so here's the update she was arrested about two weeks ago uh, at the time of recording boom from the justice department because they claimed she made this whole thing up she had her little smokes Taylor Swift had folklore. Sherry had this lore. And I feel like lore I want to write an essay on like if Gone Girl had a negative uh, impact on the culture because we have this lady, I feel like taking a page out of the Gone Girl playbook. Uh-huh. And then we also had that thing with Denise and Aaron, what was it, Huskins? Oh, where yes. they thought, they accused them of making their whole thing up, but in fact they didn't. And every and the you know investigators blamed Gone Girl and they called it the Gone Girl kidnapping. That's so true. Which is why at first I was reluctant to like, I don't know, pile on Sherry. But I, I mean, reading, I literally read this affidavit and I'm like, oh, I mean, my. like, and it's and it's that thing too where it's like, even in the moments so when people were questioning, and now looking back, you're just sort of like, how did and what the hell with anything. I know. I don't even feel like a lot of people... I mean, I'm sure people believed it at the time, but it definitely seemed like law enforcement was... Like, kind of just being like, "Uh uh-huh, but, like, secretly investigating, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're like, yeah, sure, we're checking these files. Also, because what was there to investigate? Like, there was no, like, (laughs) no real sources. We're going to get to who the DNA they even found was from. Uh, Because during this time period that Sherry was abducted, uh, police found out that she was actually at her ex-boyfriend's and that she gave herself her own injuries <laughs> oh, to support her abduction claim. And while that sounds I very intense- I feel like intense, this is like when you tell your mom that you're going to your friends for a sleepover, uh-huh. but like you're really going to a party. Or like when I tell myself I'm going to go to a workout class and I go to Coldstone because now I'm back on my Coldstone journey and it's not a Oh my God, Coldstone. <laughs> really brings but I'm not, me back. No one's, no one's make, raising 50 grand for me to go to Coldstone. If they want to, please do. But you know. Yes, just Venmo um, Danny. <laughs> just Venmo me. Just Venmo me 50 grand. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, but, and this also goes, because I mean, you think like, oh my God, she would um, hurt herself to support her own claims, but it kind of also goes back to the claims her mom said that uh, Sherry did in the past when she was growing up with her. Uh, This intel came because they finally were able to track down the ex-boyfriend to get information from him. So they have this, uh, like, about 55-page affidavit in support of her criminal complaint and arrest warrant to show how they determined how her story was being fabricated. And the main thing was the ex-boyfriend because they got him to talk. Uh, They got him to talk and kind of go through the story. Her charges are false statements to a federal law enforcement officer and mail fraud. That's a mail fraud. That's how they get you. That. I feel like mail fraud and tax evasion, man. That is really how they get you. They, yeah, you gotta pay your taxes and seal your mail. I don't even know. Don't do your crimes through the mail. Don't. I don't even know. Like, who even wants to check the mail? I hate checking my mail. Uh, It's just such a. I love checking the mail because I'm like, did I get a surprise? And then I'm like, oh, I did, but it's a bill. It's a. It's either a bill or like a catalog that I'm like, I signed up for this. I don't even know. Exactly. Even when Sherry was warned that making a false statement to the police is a crime, she, quote unquote, continued to make false statements about her purported abductors uh, multiple times and denied her ex-boyfriend's involvement, according to the affidavit. Uh, They're saying also that her search cost allegedly around $230,000, which is an insane astronomical amount. Um, 
And she also, according to the affidavit, caused the California's Victims Compensation Board to pay over 30 grand in fraudulent victim assistance money based on her false kidnapping stories. Because this, I mean, the CVC board, I mean, for actual victims, they do give money for compensation and uh, for therapy sessions. She had uh, like new um, higher tech like blinds installed into her house for added security and ambulance services. Yeah, so at least one of these reimbursements was in the US mail where the mail fraud comes in. Boom, got him. And they also raised about 49K from a GoFundMe. Uh, I know GoFundMe took it down as of two weeks ago and also said no one has donated to it since 2016. But, but that uh, means they, raised, they got the money, right? I mean, they got the money, yeah. They had over 49,000. So that was, check was cleared. Mm-hmm. Uh, U.S. Attorney Philip A. Talbert said that ultimately the investigation revealed that there was no kidnapping and the time and resources that could have been used to investigate actual crime, protect the community, and provide resources to victims were wasted based on the defendant's conduct. Yeah. Okay. So... Oh. I mean, that's for sure. So here's kind of what happened and how they did it. Um, so, and the reason this all came out was because even though authorities like requested to be able to do uh, familial DNA in 2019, it wasn't until 2020 that basically like the court ruled that they were allowed to do this. So they were able to trace a DNA sample found on Sherry's clothing at the time of her kidnapping to somebody in her ex-boyfriend's family. And then they like kind of went through his trash and, and like got mm-hmm. DNA I think it was like a bottle of tea or something to confirm that it was his so phone records showed that they had actually been communicating as early as December 2015 and I will say that the ex-boyfriend um, wasn't named in the affidavit at least like the first half that I read so I'm gonna assume he's not named um, so who I don't know if he's really being charged with a crime at this point probably not because he kind of cooperated and gave yeah, him I everything yeah so basically, Sherry and this ex-boyfriend were texting the morning that she went missing, and then they met up in the area around where she, quote unquote, disappeared. So a weird thing about Sherry's disappearance was that Keith actually drove to the spot where her find my iPhone was kind of pinging from when she was kidnapped and found the phone two feet away from the road. And like you said, their, their Michael Buble wedding song was playing on loop. But the husband said in the affidavit that he thought the cell phone had been placed and thought it was weird. So it wasn't like... Right, because it is kind of weird for your iPhone just to be like fully face up in a very nice way. If you're like, it's being thrown, you know what I mean? Like a very for sure. small eye. I know. Did that. you at least crack the screen? Like, come yeah, on. right? So also like some more stuff on this phone. Investigators found two contacts in the phone. There were two men who were listed under women's names, which is like big cheater energy, mm-hmm. I feel like. You know, if you go through your man's phone and he's like calling Pizza Hut 60 times a day, <laughs> that's not Pizza Hut. I'm sorry. And he has bad taste because Domino's is better. I might fight you on that. I do Ooh, love Pizza okay. Hut. Okay, we'll take it off. We'll take it off. We'll take it off. <laughs> but either way, these men, let's call them man one and man two because that's what the affidavit called them. I know it's very creative. So so man one was this guy that Sherry was texting with in November 2016 and they discussed meeting in Reading. And back, um, sort of back when we were first doing our research, um, this guy sort of had come up as a potential suspect. Mm -hmm. Um, He lived in Michigan. They were texting kind of flirtily. I don't know if that's a word, but let's make it one. (laughs) But he was eventually cleared. 
But so she was texting this guy. Travel records showed he flew to San Francisco um, on October 28th of 2016 and then back to Michigan the day of Sherry's disappearance. Mm -hmm. And in fact, they had met up in 2011. They kind of exchanged flirtatious texts throughout the years. And ultimately, although Sherry planned to meet up with this guy while he was in California, she never did. And then the other guy said that he met her at a at a Friday night live youth program. It's always, what is with these youth program, youth pastors? They really, a lot of stuff's going on there. I don't trust it. So this guy dated Sherry for a little bit, and he he didn't have a great experience, let's just say. Not quite. No, not, not good. He called her attention hungry and said that she fabricated stories of being a victim of abuse from her family, father, and then him after the couple broke up. So not good. And even this is the craziest part reading this affidavit. Like even Sherry's friends, when they spoke to the authorities, admitted that she would make up stories of having been the victim of abuse when she was younger. The um, affidavit said the friends recounted that Papini used to run away and at one described an and one described an incident in which Papini ran away from home at age 16 to Southern California and stayed with friends. Multiple friends also stated that Papini would, would make up lies, particularly about being the victim of abuse, especially as a youth. Like, Oof. this is so shady. I just feel like so much of this woman's life was a practice run for this fake kidnapping. It really was. Like, there was, there was always something that she was scamming or not being truthful about. And in such intense ways, it wasn't like she would lie about like getting a new job or X, Y, Z or something like that. It was always these allegations of abuse or something traumatic happening to her. That is so, I feel like this woman is like deeply unwell. Oh, yes, yes. And now about this ex-boyfriend who uh, helped her out uh, during all of this. They knew each other as teenagers, and they dated back in the day until about 06. Uh, they were even engaged at one point. He, he said, though, he told police that uh, she contacted him pretty out of the blue, saying that, unsurprisingly, uh, Keith, her husband, was beating her, and she was trying to escape. So on October 10th, 2020, in, and also I should say, there were no claims that... Uh, Keith was actually uh, abusive to Sherry. Right. Uh, she also claimed he was like sexually assaulting her, but yeah, th- I mean, there was no like no, evidence. Yeah. I mean, she did tell the boyfriend that she had filed police reports, but the police weren't doing anything. But I, I feel like that didn't happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, because no found. Yeah, and um, on October tenth, twenty twenty, investigators interviewed the former boyfriend. Who this is when he admitted to the fact that he helped Panini run away. Uh, from what she described as an abusive relationship and uh, uh, so on and so forth. They communicated on prepaid phones, which was her idea. Uh, interesting that she even had that. Oh, yeah. This is, this is like going. all her plan, allegedly. Yes. So Sherry made this, like Sarah was saying, devise this plan where uh, he would drive to Northern California, pick her up, and take her back to his place in Southern California. The ex confirmed that there were no women involved in the plan and the sketches of the women Sherry said abducted her did not resemble any single person he knew. I, so she just put those out of fit. Fucking hor- it's like so horrible. It's so, because it, 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 yeah. It, and like she just knew it would be a racially charged uh, 
comment from her. And, and I feel uh, like there are other cases of like white women doing this too. Oh. Like uh, I forget someone had DM'd us, um, but there are definitely names where like I think this woman like killed her children and blamed it on like a black man who burglarized their house or something like that. Oh, wow. But I mean, it's just <sighs> horrifying that people can do this and people believe them. And people get away with it. I mean, she got away yeah. with it for years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, six years. Yeah. And during her disappearance, he said that she did not leave his residence at all. Uh, she had her own room in his place. They did not go anywhere. They didn't even have like, a sexual relationship during this time. And actually, one of his cousins visited him twice while she was disappeared and saw Sherry there. And both times she was just like hanging out, no restraints. Yeah, just so was chilling. able to uh, cooperate the fact that she, this is where she was, and also that she was not kidnapped while she was there. Uh, he told investigators that she t- tried to make herself lose weight by eating small portions. She even chopped off her own hair and had herself to create the injuries, burning her arm, etc. Crazy. And she had this rash, too, when she was found, but her ex kind of said that she spontaneously got that, and he actually mm. even bought her a bunch of creams to okay. try to get rid of it. But we're not really sure what the rash was about. I mean, maybe a fucking stress rash for like what this. Oh my god! Right, li- lie of facades that you're creating. Uh, the ex also, I mean, who knows? He said that he helped create some of the injuries, but never directly laid a hand on her. Um, and then yeah, I think at one point he said like she he shot like some kind of pellet or something at her, but he didn't actually physically like hit her. Right. Yeah. And he used a Hobby Lobby, shout out, uh, not really, a tool to burn a phrase into her skin. She chose a phrase that apparently had meaning to her. But I want to know what it is. The affidavit didn't say. I'm like, I need to know if this bitch has live, laugh, love branded into her. It's too illegible. Back. Oh, my God. Right? Or just like, yeah. You know like it, it is. Love, I gotta have it. Something, yeah. Within an, in an infinity sign. Right? Uh, <laughs> so, sign. yeah. <laughs> and apparently the setup ended because she missed her kids, which like, okay, like, yeah, sure. Uh, oh, my God. So he had a friend rent a car for him again and drove her back. Uh, yeah, she was because carrying... that was the way that he picked her up. Like, he yes. had a friend rent a car for him. Didn't say why. Met her at the spot. Opened the door. She got in. They drove, like, seven hours with her pretty much laying down in the back seat. Um, and then they did the whole thing again when, yeah. when she was returned. Never rent a car for a friend. Do not. You don't know what's going to be useful. Not if they don't tell you why. That's true. That's true. If you're going to Marshalls, let me know. Oh, yeah. if you're going to kidnap someone in Northern California. I'm out. Yeah. You're going to Uber. You're going to Uber, not on my watch. Oh, my God. Uber. Uh, So she was carrying a bag and bound her own wrists and ankles with the stuff she uh, brought with her. She literally, it was almost, she was like, places, places. And then just literally, yeah. That is so disturbed. I can't even fathom. I just, yeah, this kind of like, I feel like there's so many murder cases where we're like, you guys know that divorce is cheaper than murder, like easier, right? Yeah. And this is one of those cases where I'm like, you know, divorce is easier than trying to stage your own kidnapping. But you know what? I don't even know if she did all this because she wasn't happy in the marriage. I think she just wanted to do it. I guess you're right. I feel like she just wanted the attention. But yeah. well, I mean, to that to that effect. So she got it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the the ex-boyfriend thought he was just helping out a friend and didn't know that they could get in trouble for what was happening until he saw it on the news. 
Um, and he didn't know about any of the reward, reward money for her um, until long after she'd left. And the craziest part of all this, I think, is that he hasn't talked to her since he dropped her off in 2016. Which, like... Uh, I got... Hags. Hey, have you been since I helped you fake your own kidnapping? Wait, that's their new hags. Have a good sentencing. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. I'm literally, like... This guy, I can't even believe it. He's probably just like, yeah, that was a weird time in my life. I helped my ex-girlfriend fake her kidnapping. Truly, like, what? how do you, rec- like, wh- where do you go from there? Seriously. And and so the uh, Shasta County Sheriff told Good Morning America that he believes that Sherry faked this due to her own narcissistic behavior. Because like you said, it didn't seem like she necessarily wanted out of the marriage. I mean, that's what she told the ex. But Keith said that, you know, they fought a little bit, but like nothing crazy. I think the last fight he said they had was like maybe the house being messy or like the room being messy or something. Like it wasn't some kind of blowout fight. So I'm just like, I don't even get it. I really, I like none of it, Makes sense, because that's the thing. There's even no motive for her, but the motive is just that she's been doing this every day of her life. Yeah. I feel like she just wanted the attention. Yeah. And then the sheriff's office also noted that her claims created particular anxiety in the Hispanic community, which, like, yeah, no shit, and that's not okay and not fair. No, and I know also now a lot of um, the volunt like, they're starting to have some trickle-outs of, like, volunteers making comments about it, too, the people that, like, did all the time looking for it. I know like people were talking to people magazine saying that they were just like disgusted by the time they wasted the money they wasted. It's like the entire county and community like stood on pause for this woman. And now this is what's happening. I mean, I'm also really curious if her husband divorces her because Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, he, you know, he was really worried for three weeks and, I mean, I, I'm sure he stood by her while they were investigating, but yeah. now that this info is out there um, or this, you know, charge is out there, I really just, who knows what's going to happen. And then what's, and an, another thing that's interesting too is like, I wonder if he will somehow, because we're recording this on uh, Tuesday the 8th and that's when her sentencing, or her hearing is, sorry. So there's probably going to be updates. We might not know the total um, updates from that uh, in this episode. But I also am curious, too, Sarah, that because the husband and her use the uh, $49,000 from the GoFundMe to pay off a lot of credit cards and stuff like that. And I don't, and I, I mean, right now, I don't think Keith knew anything or was involved in anything. But I wonder if he, maybe we might find out he was, I don't really know. Or if he could somehow get in trouble because he was using the money like is it an erica jane situation <laughs> yeah that's a good point exactly like ugh, that is a good point i don't know obviously right. i mean we're not lawyers but we are not lawyers and we and i don't know if he's gonna i wonder if that will be that aspect of it will be brought in the uh uh hearing today but who knows yeah i just i can't i mean i feel like we both definitely thought that something was fishy but of course you never want to like accuse someone of faking something so horrible Mm. down to the branding 
Yeah, exactly. That's the part that does it for me. I'm like, you branded yourself just for like, what, a little three-week sojourn? Like, why? You know, you can just run away. You don't need to, like, stage a kidnapping. Yeah, right? Yeah, so... um I'm very, I'm very curious about all of that, and I wonder if it might even be a bigger thing than we think it is right now. Of like, what do you mean? The, was like this ex-boyfriend who has this great deal. Was he just the first one who talked, and was he working with Keith and Sherry before all this? And they're trying to cover up some things because now I don't know what to believe with this lady. Mm. <laughs> Everything's a ruse. I yeah, I get what you mean. I think that she duped her husband, but. Mm-hmm. I'm also like, you have to be such a good actor. This is what gets me. Yes. Is like, you have to be such a good actor to like act traumatized while you're having to give your account over and over to investigators. I just don't even know how someone can do that. And to stick with that story. And yeah, well, I, I know think some... her story did kind of change. Yeah, that's actually true. It and she claimed to not remember a lot, um, which, you know, whatever is normal um for a victim for of a trauma crime. victims yeah. but but still they were like so they so you get kidnapped in the middle of your jog and then you sleep the whole ride like there were just mm-hmm. even still just weird kind of bits about her story that that seemed off and from what i know so far from what i read um she for the lying to the federal law enforcement officer she could uh face 5 years and a $250,000 fine and with that on top of the mail fraud and everything, she could face up to 25 years. Uh, mm. And also she will have to, you know, give back all that money. And I know her attorney, Michael Borges, is really, um, I feel like he found a way to make the uh, someone who's probably not getting favorable views in the public uh, because she lied about this kidnapping yeah. look even worse because um, one of his main concerns is the quality of jail food. Oh, he says give that me a break. He says she has allergies that affect oh. her ability to eat the food that's been provided to her in Sacramento County Jail. Oh She's God. not been provided with any other food than a part of an apple. And she's has a not been able to eat. A part of an apple. What? Yeah. I'm like, okay. what? Well, A, she allegedly starved herself for two weeks so she could look like she was fake kidnapped. So she's used mm. to that. A, and B, I, th- 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 that's what you want to say right now to everybody who's like all these stories coming around. You're like, she's hungry and she needs like organic rice. It's giving... That guy at the insurrection who was like, oh, I'm like, ve-, like he like didn't yes, want to be arrested because he's the vegan or whatever. shaman, right? Yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> yeah. Sketch. I just feel like this is so extra infuriating just because, you know, there are so many mm. indigenous women, black women, other women of color who go missing and they don't get a modicum of the press attention. So the fact that like this woman allegedly faked this entire kidnapping and she really did get what she wanted in that it became sort of a national news story Mm -hmm. is just like beyond. And on on top of that, turned it into a race attack of like, Oh, that claiming that she was kidnapped by two. Yeah. And I know, but it's also the insane thing where it's like, Oh, then $230,000 went to this Woman, and the kid, I'm not real. Why, why are there not funds for, like, the fund should be more across the board for all these other women that we don't even get attention about being kidnapped. So it's all, the case infuriates, or this new update of the case really infuriates every bone in my body. Yeah, I just, I mm, I can't feel bad for her at all. So yeah, I feel like she all. gets whatever punishment is coming to her. Papini, we're done with you. 
Well, I mean, not really in case there's more updates and we will let you all know no, about I mean, the updates. I will but... follow this. I do want to see what happens. And if she tries to plead not guilty, she has that energy about her. So, oh, major, 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 major. That. She's going to be like, um, actually, I was in Mars. I don't really know where you're getting this. Oh, my God. From. <laughs> um, they, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else to say. We don't like this woman, but you know who we do love? You guys already know. It's Jorge. Jorge all day. What's up? I love that. Should we make shirts? Ooh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Well, it's been a couple of weeks. We've had a couple of uh, interesting guests on the podcast, which is great. If you haven't listened, go listen. But we're back with the game. We're back to put our, uh, our true crime championship back on the line i hope i don't have to lie for this one Uh (laughs) that's not my strong suit (laughs) Uh uh-oh no i won't i won't let you go through that anxiety i mean that's another thing about this case i could not imagine how anxious i would be if i made up a lie this huge i couldn't handle it no i would cave in in minutes i would be like no i know i think that you really (laughs) have to like be I don't know, sort of missing an essential component of your brain. Like, seriously. Of compassion and humanity. Yeah. That. Yeah, totally. Well, today's game, I'm going to put your powers of deduction to the test. Ooh. I'm going to hit you with some true crime statements, and you're going to tell me whether they're true or false. We're going to test your powers of judgment to see whether you're able to figure out which one's the line. Yikes. Let's go. Okay. All right. So first up, Danny, okay. a serial killer in Southern California got caught when he was pulled over for drunk driving and he had a dead body in the passenger seat. Um, I'm gonna say false, because if it's true, I'm mad we haven't done that case yet. Get mad, because it is what? true. No way. This is the story of Randy Kraft, also mm. known as the scorecard killer. Oh, and yeah. he was caught this way. Mm. Police saw nuts. him driving his car a little erratically and pulled him over. And he literally had a dead person oh my God. in the seat. My man was trying to get in the HOV lane. Wow. <laughs> oh. Randy Kraft was quite crafty, if you will. Oh, mm-hmm. my. Yeah, that's the list. There we go. Get arrested. So, yeah, look up, look out for a future episode about the scorecard. Yeah. Game. We should cover him. Oh, God. He reminds me of that guy from London. That is not specific oh, at all. Dennis Nielsen? The guy yes. who, like, how did oh, I know that? Yes. yes, yes. Okay, there we go. Okay, Sarah, you are up. The BTK killer was caught because of a floppy disk. That is 100% true. That is correct, Sarah. Well done. Well it's done. my favorite serial killer capture story that ever a- because, like, this guy, fuck that guy. <laughs> it, it was such a funny story. The whole thing about apparently he asked police whether floppy disks could be traceable or yeah. not. And then they were like, no, nah, no, nah, dude, we can't trace these. You're good. <laughs> they totally <laughs> traced him. 100%. Uh, That's so, so funny. funny. All right, Danny. Back to you. Oh, God. Okay. In the 1940s, a woman killed three people and turned one of them into bars of soap, which she gave out to her friends. Oh, my God. 
I don't even know how you could turn people into soap. Well, you clearly didn't watch Fight Club. I was just about to say. <laughs> Wait, I did watch Fight Club. What? They, the that's a part of it. They're turning bodies into soap. <laughs> well, I missed that. Um, I, so I'll say um, true. That is correct, Danny. Well done. This is in the 1940s in Italy. Ooh. Her name was Leonarda Cianciulli. I'm sorry for butchering that. But, Sounded beautiful. Uh, she was Lena from Montella, and she Ooh. killed three women over the course of a year and wrote in her memoir about how she melted down one of the victims into soap. Wow. So apparently they use fat for soap, which I don't really understand. Yeah. But... Yeah. Wait, that's also I so that's rude. One of the is. victims got to be soap because, like, fat. I'm like, that would be that's just cruel. <laughs> and also, can she sue Fight Club for stealing her idea? I mean, it was probably right. inspired by that. I um, mean, all right. Well, Sarah, it is back to you. A serial killer in the 1980s appeared in a low-budget horror movie where he played a serial killer. Yeah, didn't we do oh, this? Wait. Yeah. I feel like we did this episode. It was, the, it was the guy who had the the garage. But he only killed. I thought the one person. I'm gonna say it's true though. It is false. Fuck. This did not happen. Uh, oh, we're we thinking of the de- of. we're thinking of the Dexter killer. Yeah, didn't he play a serial killer in some like home movie? But he made it himself, so I guess it doesn't count. <laughs> oh. Right. It's it's pretty close, though. Oh, so. and he only killed one person, so he wasn't a serial killer. Oh, so right. I was right about that. Killer. Okay, damn. Got Danny, it. Oh, shit. Back okay. to you. A serial killer in Alaska would Fuck. set his victims out into the wilderness and hunt them. Oh, Lord. Well, I mean, like, that's, like, the most dangerous game. So I feel like... I feel that's true. That is correct, Danny. This was a man named Robert Hansen, who was arrested and convicted of killing 17 women. Holy fuck. Uh, throughout the 70s and 80s. Mostly and... sex workers. Oh, you know about this, Sarah? Oh, yeah. First of all, I think I know about every serial killer because I do serial <laughs> killer Sundays on our Instagram, not another true crime. Right. Our trivia every Sunday is serial killer themed. So I know way too yeah. many facts. So, yeah, he died in prison in 2014. But, yeah. 17 women that he would do this to. Damn. Crazy. Well, we should do episodes on all of these ones. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, Sarah. Ted Bundy once saved a police officer from being hit by a car. I don't think that's true. I'm going to say false. That is correct, Sarah. This never happened. The famous sort of Ted Bundy story is that he once saved a three-year-old from drowning. Oh. Oh. He also helped the police catch the Green River Killer, turning on his own kind. <laughs> well, for our first game back, I am happy to inform you that you are both winners Yay! of today's game. You both get a point in the 2022 True Crime Championship, oh. <laughs> and the championship remains tied. Oh, shit. Both Damn. at four points, locked in a dead heat. So... Hmm. Tune in next week to see who stakes will couldn't be higher. Stakes cannot be <laughs> higher. Well, thank you, Jorge. <laughs> thank you. Like I said, if you guys want to follow along on our own true crime trivia, follow us at Not Know the True Crime on Instagram. I do quizzes most of the time, but definitely on you Sundays do. I do serial killer Sundays. And I'm sure there's going to be 
so many more updates and everything like that about this case. So be sure to check all of that out when we talk about it in our Facebook group, Not Another True Crime group, because that's where that's where we keep all the conversations going every day besides Monday when we're uh, in your ears. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Cashmere Danny, Cashmere with a K. Follow me at Sarah Lameem. And thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Betches.